Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone. This is Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist to another episode of Redefining Success. And I know a lot of times when we come into an episode, I'm like, I tell you guys, like I'm excited and you're really going to enjoy. Now, today, you're really going to enjoy. For the first time ever, um, we're doing a two-part series because there is so much to the story that you need to hear. I had the privilege of getting connected to Gretchen Bauer with B. Swanky, Um, you need to know her story. You need to know more about what she's doing and you may need to go visit. She'll tell you more about that later, but I am just excited for where, what we're, what we're going to get to talk about today and where it's going to go. So Gretchen, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. I'm excited as well. Yeah. So let's start with, um, kind of my first question is always, cause we're spending a lot of time talking about be swanky, but why don't you tell my audience about you outside of the business? outside of the business. I'm known as uh, vivacious, um, creative, and I have been coined as saying fine is a four-letter word. So I, I've also been called intense, mm. a tiger mom. <laughs> These yeah. are things that, that describe me. Um, I love to laugh and I love to be outside and enjoy experiences are the most important thing for me. Mm. Mm. Well, then I'm going to ask this, like, well, we may get into it a little bit further down, but what experiences have you enjoyed? Or are you looking forward to the most maybe over the last year? Um, I love to experience art. Okay. Art is number one. If I could pick anywhere to be, it would be in an art museum or mm-hmm. seeing an exhibit, a fashion exhibit, um, beauty. And beauty comes in all different forms. I love eclectic uh, I love architecture. I love design. I love fine art. I love impressionism. So mm. that is what I'm always drawn to. Wherever I travel, I choose to be around art. And if it's uh, a traveling exhibit, that's even better. If it's you know yeah. a, a short time period that I get to see it, I will drive to anything. But that's what really inspires me mm. is um, art. And I see it outside. You know, in nature, I see it. Architecture, but things that are um, just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. What are you passionate about right now? Right now? Oh, I'm passionate about our designs, what we're doing and work. Um, I'm not supposed to mention work, I guess. I'm really passionate. No, no, no. You're, you're, we're, we're, we're past oh. that part. You go ahead and you okay, talk good, about work. So <laughs> tell everybody about, t- why don't you tell everybody about Be Swanky? Why don't we do that? Because there are, we, you and I know what everybody else is like. I don't know what they're okay. talking about. What is Be Swanky? <laughs> Um, and everyone loves the name. There is no other way to be, I say. So Be Swanky, we are a design house of incredible handbags that are works of art. And we have six different designs and we are 
handcrafted right in our own atelier in Sarasota, Florida, which is really unique. And each bag is treated as a one of a kind, serial numbered special. It takes, everyone asks, asks, how long does it take to make a bag? It takes how long it takes to make that bag for that customer. So each bag is a work of art. It's about excellence and quality. And then also about the ability for our customers to customize. And that's something that is really unique. How did you, um, how'd you get into this? How did you find this? It found me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was doing interior design, which I did for 25 years uh, outside of Philadelphia, then down here in Sarasota. And I loved it. Uh, I decorated over 200 residential homes, Mm -hmm. uh, a couple restaurants, commercial properties, but I was known as the chameleon of design. No two houses were alike. Mm -hmm. And so I found my joy and really felt a connection to the customer. And the joy was having a home be a reflection of them, not Mm -hmm. me which not many designers do. They're not able to say, I want this home to be a home that reflects your your loves, your the colors you like, the design you like, the aesthetic. So no two homes were even close. There was contemporary, traditional. And so I found my joy doing that. And it was all about design, all about beauty, uh, color, um, depth of color and space. And I always thought outside the box in design. I really did and push the envelope. And that's what I love. So that's what I did for 25 years prior to be swanky. I want to ask a little bit more about that. So how did you, how do you discover that gift? I mean, that's an incredible gift. And then to also understand that you're, you're listening to customers and being free on that. What, what was the journey like to discovering that you were gifted that way? Oh, that's a good question because Uh, I opened a design center with a wallpaper company just because someone said, you have great taste. And so I hired, they did. They said, you have great taste. We want to open up a design center. So I opened up a design center. I hired all of these interior designers and I realized that they were missing something I had. I had the background in college and graduate school of going for business. Mm. And so I had the business background, the numbers, the marketing. My parents would not let me go to fashion design school. But now I'm grateful that they didn't let me go to fashion design school because I I saw the business end of it as well. So I think you're born with a lot of creativity Mm. and maybe you nurture it with museums and art and things you're exposed to and, and things that you learn but I think you innately have that ability. The Mm. business side, maybe not so much. So I was educated in the business side. And when I opened this design center and I had it for a while, I realized I can do what they're doing. (laughs) And I can do it knowing the numbers and really make a business out of it. So Uh that's when I first did it. I am completely self-taught. I actually taught it at three different schools, even though I've never taken a class in it. that at the beginning every student I said I've never taken a class in this so I think it's 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 a a talent that I was born with but I also come from a place of always wanting to learn so I read everything I could get my hands on books videos on design and from the masters of design the best of the best Mm. (laughs) I think that's sometimes something we forget many times is that everything that we want and you don't have to go to school you can go to school but you don't have to go to school, especially in the internet age and everything. Everything that you want to learn is really out there, especially mm-hmm. if you want to go after it. I mean, you did it during a time where you had to choose to go after it. And, um, you know, today it's even it's even easier to do than it was then. Um, exactly. What? 
What was maybe, and, and then I want to move on to, to be swanky, but what was maybe some of the biggest breakthrough of not only, so like you're doing, I'm going to go do, it's one thing to open the doors and say, I'm going to go do something. Mm-hmm. It's another thing to then discover along the way of, oh yeah, oh, I'm really onto something here. And this is a gifting and a calling. How, how long did it take you to even, was it fast or did it, did it take a while to really kind of see the fruit of what you believed could be true? I think it was fast for me, but then I kept pushing the boundaries more and more. And I Mm. think the trick to being the best designer, whether it be fashion or interior design, is to be fearless. When fear creeps in, it stifles Mm. your creativity. And as soon as you start letting, you know, the nosy neighbors get in or, or someone telling you something, if you have that innate ability, and I've heard it my whole life, I think it's funny, I was voted best dressed in high school, you know, silly title, you know, but it was true. I could do it. And I was the one going to the thrift shops and I was the one looking for the unique and pulling it together. But it's the same thing with design. The more you push the boundaries and the more risks you take, the more dramatic the results are. And that's what I love. And that's what I was doing throughout my career. I kept doing things that people said, you can't do that. I said, watch me. (laughs) Do you have any idea where that fearless spirit is rooted? Oh, I think I was born that way. Okay. I think I was born that way. I think it's a, it's something that I've always had. I have this unfettered optimism and I go at things with always believing it's going to work out, but I never ever beat myself up when it doesn't work out. I'm very kind to myself. That's good. <laughs> I, people, I, I have to be because I do make mistakes and I, I do have things not work out. I just move forward and and continue and try new things. Um, it is okay for you not to have an answer to this, but do you have you ever really found yourself kind of in a place where maybe doubt did creep in? Because I want to know for someone like you who typically doesn't deal with that, like what's like your go-to to break out of that if when that happens? Oh, my advisors. I have three top advisors that are unbelievable and they each fill a a role. One is with employee issues. One is with um, sales issues. One is so they all go in and and I've been blessed to have these incredible advisors that it's like I have a bat phone. And when I call them, they get right back to me. They come here. They help me. And and I think I shared this with you when we spoke earlier is that, you know, these incredible advisors that have been mentors to me, the reason they keep advising me is because I listen mm. and I take their advice. I filter it. I don't take all of their advice. I, we laugh about it where I say, I'm not doing that. you know. <laughs> but 90% of the time, I'm too close to it. I need that outside mm. help. And when I am stressed or when something doubt does creep in, they are my cheerleaders because they believe in me 100% and they've got my back. And to see these incredibly successful people mm-hmm. that have been you know, everywhere choose to help me and then say, don't worry, you got it. I'm like, I do have it. Yeah. So that's how I deal with it. Well, that's interesting. I was having a conversation with my daughter last night because she's frustrated with some things that are going on. And I'm like, okay, so where can we go to get some coaching? And there was a little bit of pushback. And it's interesting because I find that most successful people are willing to recognize they have blind spots they can't see and get coaching. And it sounds like that's been incredibly valuable to you along the way. Absolutely. And that's where I am so grateful that these are people I've collected over a lifetime is what someone said to me. And, you know, when I talk about powerhouses, huge, huge international, 
superstars in business. And it's, to me, it's, it's a gift that I have them and, and, and everything, I mean, just, they've taken us from here to here in the past, past three years have been really exciting. Yeah, I know. I know. We're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. Stick around. Um, So you're doing design. You're in, you're in Philadelphia and then you went to Sarasota. Is that right? So you're in Sarasota doing design work thriving in design how do you end up in a handbag and art you know carryable art business uh you use the word thriving i financially was doing well but i wouldn't say i was thriving it wasn't rewarding i was Mm. missing that piece of elevating the women and of making the home reflection on of them because i think Uh, on the Gulf Coast of Florida, it's a fabulous place to live, but it's an outdoor lifestyle. They don't invest as much in their homes. It's not as personal. Um, I was in the biggest homes on the water and it still wasn't the same as up in the Northeast with decorating a home, just different. And so I was making money, but not feeling that reward with, Mm -hmm. with doing, you know, being able to let go and and there was there's more of a safe way of decorating here, not the fearless way up in the Northeast that I was able to um, really make a difference and make these beautiful spaces for these women. So when you talk about this, was this an issue of them not letting you push the boundaries you could push when you're up in Philadelphia or they weren't spending the time in the home? So they weren't appreciating the work that you were doing and which one was more or maybe somewhere in the middle? I think it was a little bit of both, but it just wasn't, it wasn't that wow. And, okay. and so I was doing it, but I just wasn't having uh, the joy in my day that I did up in Philadelphia. And I, I have to be creative. I have to be able, they have to be able to let go mm-hmm. and trust. And there wasn't that. And I think maybe it's because in Philadelphia, people where I am from stay there for generations and generations. And I build up such a reputation that the people would say, trust her. You know, just yeah. do it. <laughs> right. And so I was relatively new and everyone is, it's a very transient area here. So it's different. What brought you from Philadelphia to Sarasota? The weather. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as cold in Florida. Exactly. Not as many ice storms, I would imagine. Just more hurricanes, but it's a, it's a story. Yeah, they always skip us. <laughs> um, so not thriving, but how do you discover this next phase, this next opportunity? Well, it happened. It was one of my contractors that I worked with, a gentleman, David, who is originally, his family's from Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. And he grew up in San Antonio, Texas. And he was my right hand. Mm. We had done five huge projects. I mean, the last one we did together prior to this exciting thing happening was we did the biggest house in what's called the golf club in Lakewood Ranch, Florida, huge mm-hmm. home. And after completing this, he said, I have something for you outside. Please come outside. So I went out to his truck and he handed me a tote bag. And I said, thank you. No one, no contractor has ever given me a gift. And he said, my family made it for you. It's my mother wants to thank you for giving me all this incredible work you've given me. Mm. And I said, thank you. And I looked at the tote bag and Eric, the bag was beautifully made not very attractive color wise and design wise, but I accepted the gracious gift. And then he shared with me that his family was in a bad situation. And I said, 
tell me about it. And he said they work, they used to work in a factory in San Antonio making these tote bags. Mm. And it was a horrible situation. There was no music, no joy, dark building. And they were paid very little because they did not know the language. And they had asked the manager of the factory if they could make these tote bags in their home. And the manager said, you can. We'll pay you $17 a bag if you assemble them at home. So they went out and they bought very expensive Juki machines like the ones I have in the back here. They set up an in-home workroom mm. and they delivered 50 perfectly made tote bags to the factory. The manager said, I will give you $13 for each one, take it or leave it. So now they've bought their machines, they're paying them off, they've left their jobs yeah. and they really have no choice. Right. And I didn't know that went on in the United States. And that mm. blew my mind. Yeah. So so I listened to him and I said, let me think about it. And I went on to read the book, Start With Why. Mm. And if you haven't read it, you have to read that book. And I realized I lost my why I design and decorate. Yeah. And I thought, what is my why? I don't have a why anymore. Mm. And yeah. so I thought there are women in San Antonio, Texas, and they are making bags beautifully, being underpaid and undervalued. Is there something here? And there is. <laughs> <laughs> and so what you you find the bag, does it continue the story for me? I, I, okay. I've so, heard it, but my listeners haven't. And I love, okay. I love kind of where this goes. So I invited my advisors uh, to Sarasota and they flew in and we met on the beach. And we called it our beach meetings and we met for a weekend and I told them, I believe there's a family in San Antonio that can make handbags and they're, they can make beautiful handbags, like beautiful quality mm. and they're not being utilized. And this sounds like something that I would like to get involved in. Yeah. And they said, go to San Antonio, go make a difference, go change the world. And mm. so I thought it was so nice that they believed in me. And so I flew out with one of my business associates who is bilingual mm -hmm. and he's, his family's from Cuba and he is an international business coach and a, uh, and a master communicator. And I flew to San Antonio, showed up in San Antonio and drove three miles off a paved road on sand and dirt mm -hmm. past chickens and horses and dogs and you mm -hmm. name it. And it looked like I was in Ecuador. I've been to Ecuador before and it, it looked like that. And I could not believe, again, this existed. And it was a community of these phenomenal Mexican-American people that had made their own space and doing their own thing. And these women living in this you know, area. So I made it to their home, met with them, saw their workroom, saw their work. We laughed, we talked, we ate. I hugged them goodbye and I said, I will be back and we will make handbags. Mm. Within six months, we were making handbags. Wow. Wow. So, but you're making a different level of handbag than they were making. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> what was that transition? I mean, you talked a little bit about it, but it was well-made, but it wasn't, what was the transition like of kind of be, being able to put your vision into what they were doing and how did they respond? So what happened is I started working with them yep. and we launched in Sarasota five years ago, this November, okay. and they had made 35 handbags and it was it's our original design that goes from backpack to handbag that is revolutionary. People loved this because it looks beautiful as a backpack and as a handbag. Yeah. And so we made our Boca Chica. All of our bags are named for Keys in Florida. Mm -hmm. And so we, we made this bag together 
And the bag, when I launched the uh, business in downtown Sarasota, the 35 handbags were all purchased that first night. So I knew we had something great, okay? Right, right. Uh, but I didn't realize how challenging the distance and the communication would be. So we started making them. We had a website. People were buying multiples. We had one woman buy five. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And we're selling them all. We're, people are buying them all over the country. And it was magical. However, the bags, I was unable to improve them as quickly as I wanted to and make the design changes via communicating the distance and the language challenge. So we did it for about six months yep. and we went back and forth and the, the brand is growing. People are finding out about us. People are purchasing, but it wasn't working. So I contacted the women in San Antonio, the Rodriguez women. And I said, Adelita, who was the, uh, who was the matriarch, but I had my translator cause she doesn't speak English. And so I said, I don't know what to do. And she said, I know this isn't working. But imagine before all of this, I had built a building on their property during mm -hmm. this whole year process. I built a building, poured concrete, bought all the machinery, and they had everything going. And I said, keep the building, keep the machinery. Please come here and train new people. And she did. They drove mm -hmm. twice. And the first bag was made here the first week she was here in our facility in Sarasota and she passed the torch. And then she came again because we had questions and she said, I'm in, I will help you whenever you need help. And there are cheerleaders on social media, they're out there supporting us and, and they get it. So they started it. And then we opened up here with all new artisans and the ability to constantly improve. It's called Kaizen, the Japanese, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a concept of always improving. And that's how our building operates. We change things daily. We improve things daily. Mm -hmm. It would drive a lot of people crazy, but not us. They come to me, the women, look what I did. It's going to take longer. Can I do this? <laughs> yes. What do you need? I need this. Great. And our customers and collectors have watched the evolution mm -hmm. and they love that they have the earlier bags and then that they have uh, the bags now that are a whole new level of artistry. Yeah. yeah. We, I, the phrase I use in, in my set of my company is if it's not broke, break it. And a lot of people <laughs> that I work with don't like it. Oh no, Eric's breaking something again. So it sounds <laughs> like you, you, you embrace that idea as well. I do. I, I really like change and I like seeing better. Yeah. And once I see the better, how could you ever go back? Right. You know, and not do it that way. And I was raised, you know, I, I said I was born a certain way, but I was raised with a family where my grandfather, he came from a background of having a pipe fitting factory mm. and and built it to something really big and, and was all about it being the best. Everything they taught us, my parents, was excellence, be the best. And they were tough on me, but I am grateful for that. Right. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So if you've been listening, this is kind of the first half. So I'm going to pause right here. Thank you for being with us and tell you that you need to listen to part two, because now we're going to, the, the story is, let me just say this. The story is just getting started. So you don't want to miss what's next. So Gretchen, thank you for this first part. Thank you for sharing everything. And I look forward to visiting with you and sharing with our listeners the rest of the story. My pleasure. Thank you.
All right. Thank you, everyone, for being with us. We'll be with you again next time. Have a fantastic day. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavant.com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.